COVID-19 has taken a massive bite out of the global economy. The deterioration in commodity values has been particularly devastating, with live cattle and feeder prices off as much as 30% in recent days, ethanol futures down nearly 40%, class 4 milk prices down nearly 30%, and at one point, lean hog futures down more than 20% as well. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues facing the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the fourth episode in our series focused on the effect COVID-19 is having on the livestock and feed industries at large. In our previous episodes, we talked with Arlen Sutterman, Chief Commodities Economist at INTL FC Stone, with National Cattlemen's Beef Association CEO Colin Woodall, and yesterday we talked with American Feed Industry Association Vice President of Public Policy Leah Wilkinson about how the feed industry is preparing for a response to this viral pandemic. In today's episode, Feedstuff's policy editor Jackie Fatka talks with John Newton, chief economist at the American Farm Bureau Federation. Newton has been working with Congress since late last week to get some sort of ag-related stimulus package through Congress. Specifically, ag groups ask for an increase in U.S. Department of Agricultural Borrowing Authority up to $50 billion under the Commodity Credit Corporation. Newton also explains how shelter-in-place orders and bans on large group gatherings have rocked food demand, noting that when you look at consumer spending data, consumers spend about $1.7 trillion on food last year. About $680 billion of that was spent in restaurants with the balance at the grocery. With restaurants largely out of commission, the distribution of products, particularly meat, has to then shift from food service to the grocery. You add to that the cuts of meat that people buy at the supermarket are often different than what they would buy at restaurant. It adds an additional layer of complexity to the marketing and logistical challenges facing the industry. With the latest on an evolving situation, here's Jackie Fatka. I am here with John Newton, the chief economist at the American Farm Bureau Federation. And obviously, we have uh, a lot of things going on in the agricultural sector uh, in the last couple of weeks with the coronavirus and just the, the market implications, the legislative implications, a, a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace. And uh, so let's just start there. We're in the beginning of what many expect to be the, uh, a massive fallout from this coronavirus pandemic. Maybe just highlight what we know now on the impact of agriculture. Obviously, a lot of this we're going to have to just wait and see. But what do we know today? Well, I think the, the first thing we, we started doing, we went to work immediately uh, to A, make sure that, that farmers and ranchers uh, had access to, to adequate uh, labor needs. Uh, many farmers are either harvesting some of their winter fruits and vegetables or preparing uh, for, for, to plant crops this spring. And, and with the closure of borders uh, and, and, and potential uh, visa issues with those H-2A workers, we went to work uh, communicating with USDA, communicating with uh, Secretary Pompeo on how important uh, those laborers are for, for U.S. agriculture. Uh, the second thing that we've been actively working on, uh, we've been communicating with many of the state farm bureaus to highlight uh, any challenges growers may be facing across the country. Uh, and we sent a letter uh, to, to uh, both the House and Senate uh, identifying some priorities for agriculture and been working uh, since, since late last week and, and still today uh, to try to get some sort of ag-related stimulus package uh, through through Congress. Uh, farmers need uh, to know that, that, that USDA is going to have their back. We've seen commodity prices fall pretty sharply across the whole sector. And so we're, we've been working to try to get 
USDA's borrowing authority under the Commodity Credit Corporation up to $50 billion. Let's start with that first. You've mentioned the $50 billion for the Commodity Credit Corporation. Uh, is that something that you expect to see actually in legislation that would be part of some of the, the proposals in the, the House or the Senate on this kind of third tranche of assistance from that? Is that something separate that we could see? It was in the proposal that, that came out of the Senate that, that failed uh, the cloture vote twice. And, and I know the Democrats have uh, they released a proposal and, and it was not in there. So uh, we've been communicating with, with folks on how important that is. It gives USDA the authority to use up to $50 billion. It doesn't mean USDA necessarily needs to use all of that, but I think we need to give them all the resources uh, and tools in the toolbox that we can uh, to make sure that once we start to come out of this thing and we can assess what's actually happened, uh, we've got the, the resources needed to make sure uh, that, that farmers in those rural communities aren't devastated by this pandemic. You know, and just to, to remind folks too, the, the CCC is what was used to help pay out the market facilitation program payments in 2018. We saw that at about $12 billion in 2019. It was up to about $18 billion. Uh, do you expect that there will be an that additional authority of the 50 billion would also possibly include some MFP payments? Well, I think what we're, what we're focused on now is not necessarily MFP. We're focused on uh, making sure that USDA has the authority to do what's necessary. Now, I think once we come out of this, you know, all eyes are, are definitely gonna be on trade. Uh, I know that China has, has done a lot in recent weeks to signal that they intend to make good on their phase one commitments. Uh, but but what has to start first is we need to get the global economies back up and running, get the U.S. economy back up and running, get these supply chains uh, back up to full speed. Uh, so I think later in the year we'll, we'll have an opportunity to evaluate whether you know the financial assistance is is really trade related or if it's related to uh, the the second quarter uh, what's what's likely to be uh, very very negative GDP growth this second quarter and the impact that that likely had on agriculture. You mentioned also too, the markets have obviously seen a big drop in recent weeks. Maybe highlight what you've seen in those future prices and the major livestock and commodity sectors and some of the losses that we've seen across the board. Well, at one point last week, uh, live and feeder and fat cattle were down, you know, 20 to 30% from where they were uh, earlier in the, in the year. Uh, we've seen those prices uh, recover somewhat uh, in the last day or so, really following, I think, the gains we're seeing in the stock market. But uh, when you look across agriculture, uh, you look at ethanol, ethanol, uh, you know, May ethanol futures are down nearly 40%, uh, and, and they've fallen just because oil prices are down nearly 60%. So a lot of commodities have seen their values deteriorate. Class four milk prices down nearly 30%. Uh, lean hogs at one point in time were down uh, more than 20%. So it's, it's impacting a lot of uh, sectors of agriculture. But, you know, I believe that once we turn a corner on this virus, once the demand picks up, you know, these commodity prices are undervalued and they're going to they're gonna pop back up. That kind of leads right into my next question. How do these prices impact future supply and demand in 2020? Obviously, some of that's going to wait and see on how long this lasts, but we still need food. That, that demand has uh, got to be there somewhat, but where do we see the supply and demand, that pull between the supply and demand going forward in 2020? 
Well, if you look at the, the data, U.S. consumers spent $1.7 trillion on food last year, and, and about $680 billion was spent in restaurants, and about $620, $630 billion uh, was spent at the grocery stores. And so what we're actually seeing the last two weeks is that, that restaurant demand has been moved to the grocery store. So uh, that's obviously going to have an impact on the type of commodities, you know, type of products that people are buying, the cuts of meat that people are buying in the restaurants are, are very different than what you're going to get at your supermarket. So I think, you know, this, this thing could potentially have a long tail and we're going to need to evaluate what the ultimate impact has been uh, once we start to see a recovery on, on what that's done to commodity prices. But uh, I, I do know that we're going to get through this. Uh, I think the, the biggest uncertainty right now uh, really is, is these ethanol plants. And with ethanol prices falling, uh, many of these ethanol plants, Poet announced yesterday uh, their intention to stop buying corn. Uh, that means cash corn prices are, are falling uh, because you're taking a big chunk of that demand and taking it offline. I mean, definitely when you talk about the 40% of the corn demand coming from the ethanol sector, I think they said it right last week. It's not just a perfect storm for the ethanol industry. It's a perfect tsunami. A lot of, a lot of things coming at that industry for sure. Uh, you know, as we just kind of look back at uh, looking forward, uh, what will we need to watch in the months ahead and how agriculture weathers the storm? What are some indicators that we should be watching moving forward? You know, I, I wish I had the luxury now of, of thinking months ahead. Right now, it seems to be uh, hourly or, or daily. So I think all eyes are obviously on uh, when we start to see the U.S. turn a corner on this thing start to get back to work, start to get back to school uh, here in, in D.C. Uh, D.C. schools are closed for, uh, you know, through the end of April. And, and in Virginia, uh, they, they just canceled schools uh, for the rest of the semester. Uh, that's going to impact people's ability to get back to work. So I think we're, we're still very early in this baseball game that we're playing. Uh, and I think once we turn the corner, we'll start to see and, and watch uh, just how we start to pick the pieces back up and get this economy started up again. You know, in that, that environment where it's hard to look ahead, are there things that folks should be doing now to help um, better position themselves? Are we just waiting to see what the government does? Um, I know you'd posted even on Twitter, I think, uh, about some uh, dairy producers having to maybe be forced with the decision of maybe dumping some milk down um, if they're not able to get it off. Any advice on, on what people should be doing today uh, to kind of keep their head above? the water obviously this 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 aid package once it's passed it's not going to flow out into people's pockets uh, right away uh, we, we did see the administration do some other stimulus measures uh, on the tax front on on sending checks to americans uh, so so i think that's that's something to monitor uh, in terms of you know how do we how do we get through this you know for the dairy folks uh, and anybody in these labor intensive sectors we just got to continue to monitor that supply chain you know, I, any any hiccups in demand. You know, I've seen the letters from the from the dairy co-ops indicating producers uh, may have to dump milk. I sure hope it doesn't come to that because at a time when uh, Americans need food, it, it doesn't make much sense to me uh, to put profits over uh, what's the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is get that milk off the farm, get it processed, and get it get it to consumers. You know, another important thing that we've we've seen that agriculture is known as the critical industry and for the most part is allowed to continue to, to keep rolling and, and producing and transporting products. 
have you heard of any concerns with issues between the state and federal handling of uh, different industries and differences between state lines on how they handle different segments of the ag sector? At this point, uh, I've not been shared any information of that sort, but uh, we are in, in very close communication with, uh, with all of our state farm bureaus, the leaderships uh, and state farm bureau presidents. Uh, we've, we've had uh, several calls uh, throughout the week to make sure that uh, we can highlight the issues uh, that people are facing around there and communicate it back to the lawmakers that can help us there. Uh, labor has been a, a very, very big issue. Uh, and again, we, we continue to, to communicate and come together. Uh, it's, it's when times are tough that I think we, we demonstrate our resilience. I think that's a, a, a good point to note on. You know, obviously when times are tough, we, we see people pull together and obviously we've seen that in the ag sector. And uh, also notable today is the National Ag Day uh, as we're talking here. And uh, what a great, great testament to the, the many producers and millions of people across the country involved in all the different segments from the, the farm to the fork. And we appreciate John, you taking the time. Uh, John Newton, the Chief Economist of the American Farm Bureau Federation. This is Jackie Thacka with Feedstuffs. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Jackie, for keeping watch on what's happening in Washington as Congress and USDA work through some pretty critical issues related to agriculture in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll continue to cover the effects of this viral outbreak in future episodes of the podcast. And you can get day-to-day -day updates from Jackie and the Feedstuffs editorial team by subscribing to the Feedstuffs daily e-newsletter. Thanks again to Farm Bureau economist John Newton for his insights on the economic implications of this rapidly evolving situation. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs In Focus. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, or if you missed our previous episodes on COVID-19 and its implications for the animal agriculture and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, or you can always visit our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day. And thanks for listening.